everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Shellard from Ad Advance, and today I'm joined by Jason Landro. Jason, awesome to have you on the podcast, man. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I've been a big fan of, of yours, Ad Advance, and podcast, so I'm, I'm honored to be here. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> so Jason, and I have met at multiple different conferences. Um, always fun to catch up. Jason, for people who aren't familiar with you, kind of give us a quick background and talk to us about what, what you're doing in the Amazon ecosystem. Yeah. So I'm one of the founders of Nectar, we're a full service Amazon agency. So we're, I guess we're a competitor in part to AdAdvance because we manage advertising as well, but we offer a lot of services that AdAdvance Vance doesn't offer, mainly centered around full account management, so catalog management, um, creative services, photography, videography, graphic design, copywriting, SEO, and then more comprehensive demand planning, strategic support. So we really specialize in working with companies that need full account management um, as opposed to just ad management. But we do offer all, almost all of our services a la carte in, in our Kind of niche is working with more established businesses that are looking to either improve profitability or get to the next level or figure out where they should put their focus when Amazon is one of multiple meaningful channels in terms of revenue. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you kind of have a fun background, too, on how you got into the Amazon ecosystem. I love hearing like the backstories. Like, so, so how did you get into this space? Yeah, so I'm a lawyer by training, education, and experience. And almost a few months short of five years ago, my friend from law school came to me and said, hey, my brother and I are having a lot of success on Amazon. If we had help, we could do so much more. And I was just disenchanted with practicing law. I worked in this huge law firm, one of the 100 biggest in the country. Um, and it was just all about how many hours did you bill? Um, and I saw that e-commerce was really in its infancy, and I think still is. So I took a chance and we we were actually, we ended up buying food in bulk and kidding it in variety packs or bulk quantities. And it took off, we had the number one selling keto snack box on Amazon. Um, and then the companies we were buying from said, hey, you're buying more than Whole Foods or you know my, my grocery, national grocery chain helped me with my brand direct on Amazon. And that's how we started our agency and, and have since grown uh, a lot in the past four and a half years. Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. I, I love it. And, you know, it's kind of a how we got started, too. It was like I'm a chemical engineer by background, was doing project management and financial analysis and different things like that. And I always wanted to start my own business heard about this thing of selling on Amazon and slowly got into that. And then Ad Advance really started just based off of like finding out that, hey, I could probably help other sellers with what I've learned on the advertising side. Um, so I love that because it's like, I don't know, kind of it, it gives you a good perspective overall, I feel like, you know, starting from the beginning, knowing what sellers truly go through versus just trying to come in and develop a service. I, I don't know. Personally, I've just felt like being in the space. I feel like I can relate a little bit more just to all the pain points and, and the yeah. struggles and the successes with uh with selling on amazon yeah and, and that's honestly i think that's probably i know for us that's what resonates a lot in our sales process i think one of the challenging things has been how to you know i know i think we're we're kind of in similar places in our own business or we're not you know involved in day-to-day -day operating the account so how do you build frameworks to get your team 
to still be mindful of all of those challenges? You know, how does that essentially translate down so that those values or, or those viewpoints are still represented and kind of making an impact in how you're servicing accounts? I think that's been a big challenge for us, but that one one that we've embraced and worked hard, you know, everything from profitability planning and demand planning, because, you know, you can't sell product on Amazon if you don't have it, or if it's sure. a crappy product, right, it's not going to work. It's, it's, you can throw a bunch of money at it and build pretty content, but at the end of the day, it's not going to work. So, yeah, I think that is has also been a, a great challenge, but I think it's at least for us, you know, set our business apart. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, one thing to have you having you on the podcast, I really wanted to get your take on. So you do a lot on the content side and the storefront side and really everything that happens after the click. And, you know, on this podcast, we like to focus a lot on like the advertising pieces, but there's that conversion rate piece that really matters a lot. And I mean, truly it's the, it's the one of the areas that you have to have figured out before you can truly have successful advertising strategies overall. And so wanted to get your take on, I mean, we can just start general content or we can start for like storefronts. Like you're, you're talking about setting up different frameworks for your team. So like if you're looking at a new account, like what's some general frameworks or items that you're focusing on, on the content side, if somebody comes to you with the product and they're like, you know, I, I really want to improve my conversion rate overall. I really want to get more sales after somebody clicks. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we do extraordinarily well on the full account management side, where right? we get a lot of companies that come to us that they typically have hundreds of SKUs. And a lot of times where they're struggling is they're trying to do everything at once, but they're not. Nobody can. We, we can't do everything at once, right? Um, so the, one of the first things we do after we collect all the information and the assets is we, we batch everything into plans saying, hey, we're going to tackle these groups of ASINs or parent ASINs first in the first you know two months. And then this is the batch two is three and months, three and four. Um, and say, so, okay, and this is the work that we're going to complete in this time frame. And obviously we're prioritizing products that are revenue drivers, that are profitable, where they have inventory to support increased demand as a result of the optimization efforts. That's step one is you've got to come up with some type of plan and you have to stick to it. I think sure. a lot of companies get shiny object, shiny object syndrome. And so you can't have everything. You have to accept with Amazon that, you know, it kind of cuts both ways. It's the most developed third-party marketplace in terms of everything that you can do. Like when you compare Amazon to Walmart, I mean, there's just infinitely more time you could spend on a product catalog on Amazon. You know, that's the exact same on Walmart. So you can't do everything. You can't do it all at once. And you, you got to stick to the plan. And then it's, okay, you know, Amazon gives you the resources to test and measure so you need to effectively utilize that and do some outside of that on, on the back end. You know, even just, hey, we made this change on X date. Here are the sales a month later. Are we even tracking that? Are we tra tracking session increases? Are we tra uh, tracking unit session percentage increases, right? Setting up some basic metrics. I mean, obviously, as an agency, we use software, some of which we've created internally uh, to track and measure all these KPIs. But there are things that 
anyone can do, right? You can say, hey, I uploaded these changes on the state. You mark it down in the spreadsheet, and then you make sure to pull reports, I would say, at least every 30 days, but no sooner than, than two weeks and, and measure, right? So we're really big on, on testing and measuring substantively. A lot of what we try to do up front is branding planning, so understanding the brand. Why do people buy from them? What makes them unique? What are their brand colors? You know, everything that you would get in a style guide and brand guidelines, and then harmonizing all that along with our research. So we look at customer questions, customer reviews, you know, what trips people up when they're about to buy your product? What don't they know? What do they want to know? Are you communicating that effectively? What are people saying once they buy your product? Did you mislead them inadvertently? Or is there something that everyone really loves that you're not trumpeting enough, right? In your content, you know, that that the source is, is go to the source, the people that are buying from you. So we really try to come up with this plan that is not only based on what I call finances, you know, what's gonna make you the most money, you the brand, but also then, okay, what's the content plan on a macro level, so for the brand, and then how do we just, you know, take from that foundation on a micro level, the product level, and, and really take steps forward. And then obviously measure it and, and iterating based on the results. Yeah, yeah. So I think some really good key takeaways there is first, it can be overwhelming looking at all the things you can do. <laughs> As a business owner, um, I experience this daily. There's so many things that you can do. And so I think you hit the nail on the head right there is first, realizing that you can't do everything. Because when you try to do everything, it gets overwhelming and then nothing gets done well. And so I love that where, all right, realizing one, we've got to pick some items because we can't do anything, everything. And then after that, now it's, all right, we got to prioritize. And so it's starting to work through the list and figure out what really is going to be the biggest needle move overall. And so, you know, some key things that you said first start with subsets of SKUs. So we're not going to try to hit every SKU at once, especially if you have hundreds of SKUs and you can probably prioritize based off of, you know, what's your biggest sellers or what's the biggest opportunity that you have. But then I see now you're taking it kind of a step back and starting first with the brand itself. So walk me through that a little bit more. Like, all right, you go and you figure out, like, look at the branding itself. Look at what the consumers or customers are telling you with the feedback you have. Now, how do you take that picture and then kind of tie it down to, say, areas that you can implement, like the storefront or individual yeah. product listings? Walk me through that process going from, like, the brand picture now down to items that we actually implement on, on Amazon. Yeah, so at our agency, we actually create what are essentially brand guidelines for Amazon, call them our creative brief. It's a 10 to 15 page document that memorializes the style guide, the brand guidelines, uh, customizes them based on the certain requirements that Amazon has for text, mobile, A plus stores, so that we've basically we've created a brand Bible for Amazon so that if as we create content, we're always referring back to it and make sure that it complies with that Bible. That's our foundation. And then we actually templatize everything. So if our clients will do an A-plus template, an infographic template, and then we'll templatize the homepage of the brand store, it does a couple things. One, it just ensures we're on the same page, right? Uh, I know a lot of brands hate working with an outside partner where... I can't get on the same page about what the content should look like. 
Um, so we're kind of checking in at every step of the way, making sure we're on the same page. But two, uh, and you can do this internally as well, right? I'm not advocating you hire an agency. Rather, you can create your own brand guidelines for Amazon, taking your existing resources and beefing them up. Uh, and then you can you know, make sure everything is uniform by having your design team templatize it. And then once they build those templates, you start actually building out the content you know, for all the infographics and then the different A-plus templates and the different pages of the store. So that's kind of how we work at, at a, a, a broad level. But a lot and of when you when you look at the brand guidelines too, like, I think some people hear that and they just get focused on like the brand name or the logo or different things like that. But walk me through some other items that are included in there because yeah. I'm sure there's like content items or how you're positioning the products or the brand itself or who you're speaking to. Like, exactly. kind of walk me through some of the other details there, just so people don't get hung up just like on the logo or the brand or the colors that yes. are included. You know, which is actually more of a style guide. So the brand guide. Sure. Like, talks is is more focused on you know how who the the customer avatars right the different profiles of, of people that would be buying from you how you should represent the brand how you shouldn't represent the brand you know tone everything down to tone of voice um and then you know also any requirements that are nuanced to the brand or hey we don't say these certain certain things about our brand or you know something unique to Amazon like hey be mindful of these restricted keywords that's something that could be included in a brand guide so if hey if you're working on this brand don't put these you know, let's let's go with an easy one don't put the word you know anything that would trigger a pesticide you know flag sure. so that your listing gets <laughs> taken down right so it's and then it can also incorporate the feedback from your customers. Hey, customers buy from us because of X, Y, and Z reasons in these categories. These are our USPs. Let's make sure to highlight these. And that's really how you take that and implement it. So, hey, in our infographics, we know based on these customer questions and our feedback off Amazon that when buying you know, the product in X category from us, customers care about A, B, and C. Well, sure. and that's also where the search volume is. So let's make sure we're mirroring that in our infographics where that's above the fold, right? So that's how you kind of take that research and then actually implement it. Yep. Yep. So we start with the brand guidelines and that kind of creates a consistent framework that we can now use to implement on all the key things that customers actually see, whether it's yes. the storefront or our product detail pages. And I love that you start there because if we start first making tweaks to like individual product detail pages, um, we may end up with inconsistencies throughout. And as we know on Amazon, like it, being able to drive higher lifetime value is a key piece to being a successful seller. And if your branding isn't lining up, that makes it much harder. So yeah. we've got the brand guidelines. They help ensure consistency and also help make sure that like you guys are on the same page as the brands you're working with or the sellers. Um, once you get that now kind of walk me through like next steps. So like if we had to prioritize, like what are key pieces that you typically recommend clients start on after we get the brand guidelines put in place? Yeah. And, and I, I'm going to, I'll talk about this more globally, whether you're working with an agency or not, I always recommend working your way down the phone. Right? So, you know, when someone enters a search query on Amazon, they see your main image and your title. Right. So if you don't get a click into your listing, you have no chance to show them more and get the sale. So that's, in my opinion, where you should focus first if you have to. Now, the title is tied into the bullet points. 
um, but still uh, the title has the most SEO value. So, you know, working on the above the fold is really where I recommend if you have to make choices because of limited resources, that's where you start. Working on your image set, working on your title and bullet points, because that's what most consumers will see. Then working your way down to A+. And, you know, even you could optimize your title before optimizing your bullets. It's not the best way to approach it. But if you have to make tough choices or, or allocate resources, uh, again, people, if people don't get into your listing, they can't buy your product. Um, sure. I mean, yes, they can hit that to cart button on the search results page. But if they don't know your brand or aren't looking for your product exactly, I don't think it's realistic to expect that. Sure, sure. I love that too. So let's focus on the the key traffic drivers first. So the key click through drivers. So we're going to focus on click through as they appear in search results or for advertising too. Those are going to be the big needle movers that get your higher click through rate, which increases your relevancy, which gets you shown more and gets you more traffic. And then from there, now let's really focus on the conversion side. So once they're on that product detail page, now what makes them actually add to cart, make sure that click turns into a sale. Yeah. And what can be difficult is you want to harmonize the copy with the infographics, right? You want to make sure there are a lot of studies out there that basically show that consumers look, spend a lot more time looking at the images on a, a web page for product, for a product, or in Amazon's case, a PDP, than they do the copy. But you still want to coordinate the two. So I talked to a lot of brands where they're outsourcing copy to one person and outsourcing content to another person. So one, having that, that those brand guidelines centralized, at least if you are outsourcing, or even if you have different people in your company that maybe aren't working together as cohesively as you'd like, sure. it, it gives them direction on how to coordinate, you know, your written content with your graphic, graphical content. So, you know, it, it can be challenging, but uh, just being more organized allows you to get to a better output. Sure, sure. I love that. And for like, so uh, for creative control on Amazon, like the product detail page, we've been given more and more options on what we can customize there. Storefront gives you even more options and kind of how you can lay that out and really show off your branding, your brand, your products in a way that you want to. Um, so how do you typically approach like storefronts? I've got a couple hundred SKUs. Like just in general, like how, how do you look at that? How do you set it up? How do you group products? Like what, what's the typical approach? approach that you're taking, Jason? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of brands get this wrong. I try to follow a few basic principles. One, people buy people buy um, the best-selling products from a brand for a reason. Those are the best products, the most popular. Don't try to hide it. Um, feature those products on your homepage. Two, your Amazon brand store is not a catalog, right? So a lot of brands get stuck treating it like they would a wholesale catalog, for example. Um, it's a website, right? When for a D2C website, you wouldn't just throw up all your categories on your homepage. You'd tell people a little bit about your brand, why they should buy from you, show them some of your best-selling products, maybe have some seasonal updates, depending whether your brand lends itself to that. Most brands do to a certain degree. And then have subpages that are, uh, you know, divided or organized based on category, topic, whatever. And that's how you should treat an Amazon brand store. In addition, you should treat it 
like a website or software, which is, you know, when people have to click 10 times to get where they want to go, reduce the friction, make it easy. And I think the third thing that's a little unique to Amazon is you don't need to include every product that you sell on your brand store. You need to include a good sampling for very large catalogs, like more than hundreds of SKUs. So like when we get to 500 or more, Sometimes I'll build shop all pages by category, but you know, if you when you end up looking at the stats on the store insights tab, um, they just don't get as nearly as much traffic as you know, your best selling products or your homepage and a couple of your sub pages, and, and that's for a good reason. People don't want people want you to make their shopping experience easy. They don't want to do homework. You know, five percent of people want to do real homework when they they go shopping. You know, your job is to make it easy on them. Show them what they should buy. Sure, sure. So for large SKU accounts, yeah, I, I love that. Definitely not treating it like a catalog. Because <laughs> this isn't the old days where you needed to search through the pages of the catalog. If you're looking for something specific and it's not popping out, you're just going to do another search. And so really this is a – when somebody's on your storefront, it's really a unique time where you can – Try to differentiate your brand as a whole. Feature your best-selling products, especially if those products can lead to other like cross-sales within the brand too. Like another key thing to keep in mind too is when you're promoting different products on your storefront. If you can generate cross sales or there's certain SKUs that kind of introduce people to your brand, whether it's recurring products or recurring purchases or cross purchases throughout the brand, another great way to look at it. And those tend to be your best selling SKUs in a lot of cases, too, just like what you were saying. And so a really good way to show off your branding. But, yeah, don't focus on showing a million different products right. <laughs> hey, much better way to like tell the brand story and give that unique piece that can't on product detail pages yeah exactly and and that doesn't mean you can't use the stores you mentioned to feature complementary products or products that you want to push but you just have to manage expectations right if you have a brand new product nobody's buying it from you and unless you know you're a household brand name you can't expect just because you launch a product even if you have high hopes for it that's going to do well um so, you know, you need to be a realist in that regard. Right? So some of our brands that have a lot of SKUs or they come out with seasonal patterns, you know, we'll do like a new item section on the homepage of their store, which is great because people come to that brand, they look for the new items. So that store, you know, the stores get a lot of traffic already. So it's a great way to feature those. But, you know, we don't put them at the top of the homepage. It's you know, towards the bottom. So you, you have to be strategic, and I guess I would say pragmatic. You know, put yourself in the, on the other side. Put your pretend like you're shopping, and hey, just because you put this in front of me, am I going to buy it? Am I going to click into that? Um, you know, temp, temper your expectations. Try to be a realist. Is is my suggestion? Sure. Yeah. So I love this. I mean, it's kind of a perfect time. This podcast is going to go live right after New Year's. Everybody is going to, you know, looking at the the year as a whole, kind of getting game plans for next year. I feel like this is a great episode going into that. So, you know, a key takeaway is one, prioritize and realize you can't do it all from the start. Um Two, taking a step back and really analyzing your brand as a whole. So when you're doing any of these other initiatives, you're speaking the same language, you're targeting the same 
typical buyer avatar and then starting to prioritize different pieces that go into it. And so like Jason recommended, starting with those pieces that drive the click-throughs originally uh, and working through like headlines or maybe main pictures or different things like that. And then starting to work through the rest of the product detail pages and then along with tuning up the storefront. So lots of awesome takeaways. And I think the key thing is kind of prioritizing as you go and then making sure you have that consistent brand and that consistent voice for each of the changes that you implement. Any, any other pieces I missed there? No, I think that's great. And I, I, I also, you know, I would just add that you can't, can't do it all. Don't get, don't get down on yourself. If you feel like it's not moving fast enough, I would say just, you know, create that plan, create that schedule and then measure how you're doing uh, against that plan and schedule along with measuring performance because I think what, what a lot of brands see when they make that shift is they really start to get meaningful growth on the ASINs that they're working through instead of saying, oh, we're going to do a little copy here and some images there and, and not have that direction. I love it. I love it. So, Jason, for people who want to contact you, connect with you, follow your content, like where should they go? Yeah, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and pretty active. Maybe on in 2023, I'll finally figure out Twitter. <laughs> but we also have a, a website, which is www.thinknectar.com. Like, think about it, Nectar. We were beat out by the mattress company for a Nectar.com, unfortunately. <laughs> sure. And, you know, they weren't taking our offer for the domain. So, uh, yeah, those are probably the two, two best ways to get in touch. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Jason, this has been a really valuable episode, so I appreciate you joining. And for all those who listen, as usual, I thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Ad Project Podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for having me.